You're listening to Randall Parker's Film Club, with me, Randall Parker. As you can hear, I'm currently on a train off to do an interview with Kung Fu legend Cynthia Rothrock, so I thought I'd kill two birds with one stone and record my podcast at the same time. I've caught the early train for two reasons. One, so I'd get there nice and early, and two, it's 30 quid cheaper. It's 7.32 on Sunday morning, and I've pretty much got the whole train to myself, apart from a half-pissed Scottish man who sat down the other end of the train. So on today's podcast we'll be reviewing a classic film and another requested by a listener. We'll read out a few of your emails. Oh, just hang on a sec. It's just the announcer, so don't think it's anything important. We'll be reading out a few of your emails, have a film fact, have a film that what I would like to see, and a treat or two along the way. But firstly, I would like to thank Mr White, my boss, for giving me a lift to the station. It's very kind of him. We did have to be out the house extra early, so he stopped at ours last night, and due to his bad back, he couldn't sleep on the sofa, so we had to bunk down with Mum. He keeps taking Mum out for these fancy meals and stopping out till gone ten some nights. I think he thinks I don't feed her properly. If you're in the least bit interested, they came back from their mini-break last Monday, all fun and laughter, and once Mr White had fucked off, Mum went back in the airing cupboard. The other day, Mr White asked me if I'd ever thought of moving out and striking out on my own, but I tells him, I've got to stop here, because who else is going to look after the poor cow? Now, a shout-out to Dirty Janet. Uh, she's now wanted to be called Party Janet. Uh, she's taken over Dealer Dave's 24-hour party services, now, she's taken on a few members of staff, uh, five Eastern European girls, who go out doing the deliveries and other jobs. I saw Janet round the back of the old Woolworths last Thursday with one of the girls, and if you ignore the fact that her eyes look in separate directions, she's quite pretty. Emails. Right, so on to emails. Our first email comes from a chap up in Leicester, and it goes, Dear Andal. I love movies and go to the cinema on a regular basis, but one thing that really gets on my nerves is that when there is a film set after an apocalyptic event where people can still drive cars years, sometimes decades, after it's been abandoned. As an amateur petrochemist, I know that even though petrol has a preservative in it, this can only last for so long. In a fuel tank, petrol generally lasts for three weeks at summer temperatures, so that would begin to congeal and clog the combustion chambers in no time at all. Petrol sealed in a container would feasibly last up to six months in the right conditions, but in time would go bad. I do have to admit that if you got to a petrol station and managed to get into their sealed underground tanks, this would fare better and last for around three to five years, but eventually too, this would become contaminated. But my question to you is this, what inaccuracies in films bother you? Keep up the good work, Jamie Vardy. Great question, Jamie. The one thing that really does annoy me is when they use silences on guns. You don't hear anything. That does get right on my pip, I can tell you. Right, for a start, right, in the real world, no one calls them silences. Most of your professionals call them suppressors. They actually dampen the gas as it exits the barrel of the gun after each shot. The silences you see in films are just like little tubes, aren't they, on the end of the guns? But that's just a prop. A suppressor in real life is far more complex and has a series of rings or baffles that suppress the gas as it exits the gun, causing less noise. But in films, the sound's silent, and they ain't silent. They're still loud enough for you to lose your hearing if you're exposed to it for too long. Hope this has answered your question, Jamie. Thanks for getting in touch. Next email goes, Dear Randall, I'm enjoying your podcast very much. I live in Arbroath, which is famous for its smoked fish. Which got me wondering, what is your favourite film featuring fish? Kind regards, Ian Graham, Arbroath. 
you know, whenever you say Arbroath, it's just one of them places you just want to say it in Scottish accent, isn't it? Arbroath. 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 There you go. I've probably offended most of my Scottish listeners with that, and I've probably swung Indy F2 over to the let's fuck off side, haven't I? Beautiful Arbroath with its harbour, long sandy beaches, stunning sandstone cliffs that stretch out either side of the town. Not to mention Arbroath Abbey, located near the centre of the town, which is also well worth a visit. I tell you what, it looks lovely on the internet. But as with most places, if you live there, you probably think it's a fucking shithole, don't you? But on to the question in hand. I suppose most people would say something like Finding Nemo, wouldn't they? But I found that a bit too sickly, and by the end I was hoping a super tango would smash into the reef and spill its load all over them. Now, I do know that sharks are clashed as fish, aren't they? But I could choose Jaws, but that feels a bit like cheating to me. So, thinking about it, probably my favourite fish-based film would be A Perfect Storm, you know, with George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg in it. Now, the main reason for this is it's a fucking boring film and there ain't a decent character in it, but you do get a satisfying payoff when they all drown. Yeah, it's well worth the wait, that is. I hope that's answered your question, Ian, and thanks for writing in. Next email goes... Dear Randall, just imagine this scenario. American director Richard Linklater is back on his bullshit and he's planning to make a movie about your life which spans a hundred years. However, to give the film an Oscar bait edge, he is casting only female performers in the roles uh, with the exception of your mother who will be animated and voiced by Terry Crews. Which actress could you see accurately portraying you in adolescence, middle age and coffin bound stages of your life? Best wishes, Hayley Cropper, Weatherfield. Fuck a duck, I think this is probably one of the best emails I've ever had. And let's not forget we had that lesbian bread email last week. Thanks for that, Hayley. There's certainly plenty for me to chew on there, isn't there? Right. Here's a one, into that Richard Linklater. He's always chasing that Oscar with his films, isn't he? He's probably jealous of his brother Gary, you know, all his success. It can't be nice living in his shadow, can it? Young me, I'd probably cast someone, you know, like the purple-haired one out of Kick-Ass or Ellie Fanning. But she does look a sickly child, don't she? As I pass on into middle age, there's a lot of fine actresses out there and you'd probably want an Oscar winner in that, wouldn't you? So, Natalie Portman, she's a bit too small, she's like a bird, isn't she? Brie Larson, you can fuck that right off. Gwyneth Paltrow, apparently, according to Mum, her fanny stinks like candles. Kate Winslet would be an excellent choice, apart from the fact that there's a 50-50 chance she'd get out at least one of her puppies in the film. And I don't think that'll be suitable, because I've only got tiny nipples, you know, like cats. But for me, I think it would have to be Mel Streep. She's fucking amazing, and she's got the range to pull anything off, hasn't she? As for the old me passing on into death, can't look past Maggie Smith. She's fucking amazing in Downton's Abbey, isn't she? Oh, fuck, yeah. Uh, what about Judy then? She hadn't forgotten about her. Uh, yeah, I'll go with Judy, because she's got a bit of a twinkle in her eye, a bit like me. We've been getting some fucking interesting emails recently, haven't we? Great stuff. Randall Parker's Film Fact Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 thriller Psycho was the first film to display a flushing toilet. Presumably, before then, everyone just left floaters. Randall Parker's Film Fact The way Mr. White decorated the toilet this morning, he should change his name to Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown's plastering services. There's no worse than a warm toilet seat, is there?
This was something about the sound of a train that's so relaxing, isn't there? I mean, just listen to that. It's fucking lovely. Now our classic film this week, I didn't have to order off the internet as when my cousin Alan died I got a load of his things like his laptop, CDs and there was a couple of DVDs there as well and this one was actually one of them. Never watched it so I thought as it's on the greatest films list why don't you give it a watch. Uh, I've mentioned Alan before on the podcast, he died about three years ago from auto-erotic asphyxia. Nice lad, real shame it was. This one's from Italy, it was made in 1975 by a bloke called Pier Paolo Pasolini, who I think was off his fucking rocker. Pier Paolo Pasolini. There's never been a more Italian name than that, has there? Pier Paolo Pasolini. Anyways, it's called Saulo, or 120 Days of Sodom. And I'll tell you this, strap yourself in for this fucker. Well, where to start? This is one fucked up film. Right, starts off with these four blokes who decide to start a sort of perverts Olympics and he sends off a bunch of these Italian Nazis to round up a bunch of teenagers and take them off to this big posh house. And here they split them up into groups, boys and girls, and that is about the last normal thing that happens in this. Right, in the boys' room they tell some of them to take the pants down so they can have a good look at their cocks. Yeah, you heard right. And after that, they go to the girls, and they're all brought into the four old perverts and made to strip off. 17 minutes in, I'd seen five cocks and eight fannies. Yeah, it's that sort of film. Well, the pervy men choose nine girls and nine boys, and off they go to this massive house with a bunch of soldiers in the middle of nowhere, and the teenagers have to walk around with their cocks and fannies out. Then, this caption comes up and it goes, Circle of Manias. Fuck knows what that meant. Uh, we'll introduce to a bunch of old prozies who sort of tell a bunch of rubbish stories about perverts jizzing at them and stuff like that. Then it's lunchtime and everyone in clothes is being served by the naked girls. Then one of the soldiers knocks one of them over and starts to shag her from behind. And most people just carry on tucking into their sausage and mash. Apart from this one old pervert who runs around the room showing everyone his anus and then says to the shagging soldier, do me up the bum. And the soldier obliges can't be good for your digestion with that sort of thing going on when you're tucking into your pudding. They sort of have some lessons in how to wank off a doll and one of them legs it off and gets a throat cut. Then there's some sort of wedding with two of the teenagers and then the four perverts start to molest them. Next, next up they've got all the naked kids running around on all fours like dogs and they feed them meat and one poor lass gets a slice of cake with nails in it. It's around now that I had to go get a drink of water and a couple of ibuprofen before I continued. Christ, I tell you. Another caption comes up and it says circular shit. Yes, that is as bad as it sounds. One of the old prozies starts to tell tales of how she used to do a lot of poos and people used to like to tuck into them. This gets the four perverts all horned up and they decide to have a poo banquet. The things I watch for you lot. Anyway, after the poo banquet they have a sexy arse competition and the four perverts get a bit too excited about this. At this point, Mr White popped his head round the bedroom door and saw me watching this on the old TV-DVD combi and he took one look at the screen and said, Ooh, that's a bit rich, isn't it? 
gave me a wink and says, don't let your mum catch you watching this sort of thing. I thought to myself, fuck off back to your celebrity master chef, you nasty old twat. But I didn't say it. Anyway, next caption comes up, says Circle of Blood. When this came up, I thought, anything could happen next. A bunch of the old blokes could dress up and get married, I don't know. And that's exactly what happened. But with a bit more bumming than I had expected. After a particularly rigorous bumming, one of the old perverts goes around to the bedrooms and everyone starts to tell tales on everyone else. One thing I do know about situations like this is that no one likes a grass. By this point I'd sort of become numb to it all, and when a bloke and a black lady we hadn't seen before got shot, it didn't surprise me in the slightest. Then we get to a sort of medals ceremony, and everyone who gets a prize is then taken outside and either raped, tortured, branded, hung, scalped, had their tongues cut out or their eyes poked out. I forgot to mention, some of them had their cocks burnt with a candle. And that's sort of where it ends. No explanation, no apology, or anything. Fucking hell, I needed a lie down after this, I can tell you. Made Pixote look like poor patrol. Now, not long after this film was released, Pier Paolo Pasolini was murdered. Now, I'm not sure if it was related to this film in any way, but I'm pretty sure it didn't help. Ratings-wise, I think I'm going to have to put this on a par with something like Joseph Fritzl's home video, You Been Framed Special. That was Saulo. Watch that if you have no decency at all, and like seeing old tarts eating turds. Other night, walks into the living room and Mum and Mr White were watching Bake Off on ketchup. Which pissed me off slightly, that's mine and Mum's thing. He's round here an awful lot at the moment. He wants to pull his fucking finger out and get me back to work. Every time I walk into the room, there they are, right, and they seem to stop talking about what they're talking about and change the subject. And I says to him, what you talking about? And they say, can't remember. And I say, if you can't remember a fucking conversation we were having seconds ago, you should be in a home. Slightly drunk Scottish man's getting up and on him. Oh Jesus, he's coming over here. Fucking looks like sloth from the Goonies. Jesus. Shutters, that's we pal. Sorry? The shutters. Neither done. Uh, I, I thought I think they're just along there, mate. Right, cheers. Wake up to you. Making a podcast. What? Podcast. Right, you recording me? No, no, I'm not recording you, mate. You better not no. be. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. Right, well, I'm off to the buffet. You want anything? No, I'm okay, thanks. Fucking freak. He's gone. He fucking stank a drink, he did. It's only the second time I would have been to London. First time, must have been oh, 1985 or something. Went on a school trip. Went to a couple of museums, saw, saw a few of the sights, and went to see a West End show. Starlight Express. It was fucking short didn't normally get to go on those sort of things, what with us being a one-parent family, but Mum couldn't normally afford that sort of thing, and Mr White, who's been a friend of me Mum since before I was born, paid for it all. Great stuff. Went on the Thursday and was supposed to come back the following Tuesday, but the whole thing was cut short. What happened was, on the Sunday, right, we were in Leicester Square, and the main teacher who came with us, he treated us all to hot dogs from this dodgy-looking bloke, and the old trip came down with food poisoning. It was fucking carnage. Tell you what, it's a good job the toilets were tired, that's all I'm saying. One lad, Graham something, he ended up in a wheelchair permanently. Real shame that was, he used to be really good at running. Ran for the county and everything. 
I often see him down the precinct being pushed around by his own help. I would say I, but he lost the ability to talk at the same time. Happy times. Now, big shout out to the whole team down at Wyden Bailey Fabrications, where I work, especially Janice from Accounts. Nice lady is Janice. Well, word is that Janice has bagged herself a fella and he's called Gregor. Gregor, Gregor, Gregor. Big fella, loads of tattoos, and it's a hard muscle that dirty, sorry, party Janet has got in. Now, Janice assures everyone that it is true love and she hasn't been paid off by party Janet so Gregor can stay in the country. He's a fucking big youth, you know. Scary too. Wouldn't want to look him in the eye. Well, the working one anyway, not the milky one. But good luck to you, Janice. They did what? On to this section of our podcast called They Did What? Where we take a brief look at a film that does something that was okay at the time but is now, when we look back at it, ain't on. Now, today's film is a very popular film from 1984 called Splash and it stars Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. On the surface, this does seem like a lovely film about a lonely man who falls off a boat and is rescued by a mermaid who then proceeds to follow him onto dry land and they subsequently fall in love and live happily ever after. Lovely and sweet. But if you dig a bit deeper, something quite sinister is there lurking. What sets alarm bells off for me is the fact that our fella Tom takes this naked, confused Daryl Hannah in at a point where she can't speak a word of English and he keeps her locked in his flat as some sort of like moving sex doll that he just keeps having a go on despite not knowing the first thing about her. I just hope he bunged on a rubber johnny, that's all. You may have a couple of Oscars, Tom, but that's just a no-no, pal. Oh, and the twat supports Villa. They did what? Years ago I had a pen pal called Jürgen and we used to talk about our hobbies, right? His hobby was digging underground bunkers to keep his pets in and I told him that I liked to do a bit of train spotting. Well, what I said was I was mad on trains. Only he didn't understand this and asked his English teacher what it meant and the teacher translated it as that I ran up and down the train pretending to have disruptive learning difficulties and screamed at fellow passengers. It's funny what gets lost in translation, isn't it? Anyway, once I finish this podcast, I'm going to go over my questions and I've got some crackers, I can tell you. You know, the only other famous person I've met is Mr Tumble off CBeebies. It was late one night, and earlier in the day, he'd been opening a supermarket in town and he comes stumbling out of this pub, knocks me flat on me arse and then calls me a twat and gets in a taxi. At least I think it was Mr Tumble. I was down the chip shop uh, middle of last week and I got talking to Tommy Slippers who told me that dealer Dave is currently convalescing in the infirmary of the local prison where he's on remand. Apparently he slipped in the shower one morning and managed to dislodge both of his kidneys. He insists it was purely an accident and no one else was involved. But this is from Tommy Slippers who hangs around the local chip shop never buying anything and just chatting shit so his words about as reliable as Michael Schumacher's ski helmet. Whilst I was down the chippy, I saw Donna from next door, Jackson and John Wick following her, and she asked about her 20 quid. Films that what I would like to see. So here's the return of the occasional section of the podcast, Films That What I Would Like To See. Now this one is a romantic comedy, and I think it's a winner called The Interview. A journalist goes to interview a global superstar and they spend an hour together and get along amazingly and fall in love and run off and get married and live happily ever after. That's pretty much the ending of Notting Hill, isn't it? Ah, let's just forget this. Films. 
becomes that what I would like to see. Oh, sorry about that. Just having a bar to eat. Something so magical about a picnic on a train, isn't there? Mind you, if you don't go on a train too often, everything's a bit magical, isn't it? Oh Christ, Scottish blokes coming back. You still doing your pod, Jay? Yeah. Keeps him quiet. Randall's requests. Right, so on to our final film for this week, and it's one requested by a listener, and it's called What Women Want. It's from 2000 and is directed by Nancy Myers. Ding dong. Lady director. Well done, love. Now, you probably remember that name from last week's podcast as she directed The Parent Trap, where everyone concerned should have been done for conspiracy to commit child cruelty. Anyway, this film, this, anyway, this is a film she did after that and it's been recommended by Mr. R. Slicker, very formal. Now, this stars Hollywood's favourite anti Semite Mel Gibson as a sexist pig who works as an advertising executive in some big posh advertising place and he specialises in making adverts for men and he's shit hot at it. And one day, the big boss of the company says, Hey guys, I've got a promotion. And Mel, being a racist, sexist, misogynistic wanker, thinks, Fuck yeah, I've got me promotion. Misogynistic. I do like that word. Looked it up online, it basically means a bit of a twat to the ladies. Anyway, he doesn't get it because he's a massive knob and they give it to some woman who they've managed to get from another advertising agency. Old Mel ain't too happy about this and thinks he's been hard done to and he's right fucking moody. Try being on furlough for the best part of two years, then you'll think you're being hard done to, you twat. Anyway, to piss him off even more, he's got a 15-year-old daughter shacked up at his place as his ex-wife has fucked off on her honeymoon with a new fella. Anyhow, his daughter brings home uh, an 18-year-old boyfriend and Mel's a right shitty twat with him and he thinks the lad just wants to play a couple of frames of sticky belly with his daughter. Don't go judging people by your own standards, pal back at work the new lady tells all the staff to come up with some ideas for a new campaign for ladies products and gives them a load of products to test at home mel gives this a go and whilst wearing a pair of tights he slips on the bathroom floor falls in the bath whilst holding the hairdryer now for me this would have been the perfect place to end the film old sexist mel caught in a sex act dead in the bath imagine coming in and finding that although i don't have to imagine that because i found my cousin alan but I digress, back to the film. Mel wakes up and for some reason he can now hear everything women say. And they all say he's a racist, sexist twat. He goes to see a doctor who thinks he's a twat and then tells them that he can hear what ladies think. And the doctor says use it to your advantage. So he does. Instead of becoming a more understanding person, he decides to nick the new boss lady's ideas and pass them off as his own. But he starts to fancy her and uses magical powers to try to get his hands down the front of her knickers. He takes his daughter out shopping and their relation starts to improve until he hears that she's got plans to wank off her boyfriend after the prom and Mel tries to offer her advice and she tells him to fuck off. Back at work, Mel and the new lady, who's called Darcy by the way. How many Darcy's have you met? Where did they come up with these fucking names from, I ask you? Anyway, Mel and Darcy start to spend more time with each other and become friends and they start to fall for each other. And the ad campaign, Mel stole off Darcy, is successful and the boss fires Darcy and gives Mel her job. No verbal warning, no written warning, just a straight red card. Fuck off Darcy, you twat. Mel goes to the boss and says, I stole the idea off her, so give her a job back, which he does. 
Time passes and Mel starts to be nice to women and saves the life of someone we barely noticed during the entire film. And we're supposed to believe he's some fucking hero. I bet he wouldn't have put in that footwork if her Sabbath had been on a Saturday. Anyway, Mel loses his magical powers and everyone likes him now. And his daughter gets dumped by her boyfriend because she won't give him a beach. Mel's on hand there to be a good dad to her. Well done, Mel. Only 15 years too fucking late. Mel goes off to find Darcy and tells her everything and she gives him the sack. Then she says, OK, you were a twat but now you're nice so let's go and have it off. Film sort of ends there. It says on the back of the DVD box that this film is on for 2 hours 7 minutes. But it feels infinitely longer than that. I went for two pisses and a shit during this monster and it felt like I missed nothing. Christ almighty. They should make Saulo 2 where they get a bunch of teenagers and force them to watch this crap. Ratings wise, I'm going to have to put this on a par with something like Avatar, as that goes on for days and there ain't a single likeable character in that either. That was What Women Want. Watch that if you like seeing your joyful life slowly slip away into the abyss. Randall's requests. To me, the only way they could have made that better was if it was a black woman hearing what men think. That'd work. Randall recommends. Right, on to Randall's recommends. Well, what else was it going to be? Out now in all good cinemas on Kung Fu Dan's home cinema service is the latest James Bond film, No Time to Die. Watch it this Friday and it's fucking amazing. Not going to spoil it for you, but what I will tell you is that in about 30 years time, people who only watch ITV2 are in for a fucking treat one bank holiday weekend. This is a corker. It's Daniel Craig's last go at being James Bond, so drink it in. Randall recommends... Right, so I think that's everything I've got for this week. I'm going to sit back and enjoy the rest of my train journey. It looks like my Scottish friend has fallen asleep for now, so I'll be all right. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, you can contact the podcast via email, randallparker1971 at gmail.com. Fire off an email if you've got any questions, requests for reviews, or just want to say hi. I really would love to hear from you, and I'll catch you next week with our special episode with my Cynthia Rothrock interview. Ta-ra for a bit. (laughs) 